Well, the Commissioner of Hockey East, Joe Britannia, is with us. And uh, well, first of all, Joe, as we're recording this before the game, and uh, the teams are coming up for warm-up, uh, pretty interesting matchups around the league uh, this weekend. You have a couple of matchups of teams that are not only in the top five and battling for first place, close to first place, but also uh, in the top ten in the country. Um, can you remember something like this in recent years? I can't. You know, it, it, not with the national rankings, but we've had we had a weekend. I think it was either last year or the year before, where all the teams that were fighting for the same spot were matched up. You know, internally within the league, so they all had that extra kind of immediate value of how it was going to change the standings. But you're right. This is uh, it, it's exactly what you want to have teams that are in that top. You know, four or five. I guess it's where we have like five out of four out of eight. And uh, it looks like Merrimack took a little bit of a, a, a hit last night. Uh, uh, but it adds to what's already exciting in five teams going for first place, you know, this late in the year. Well, you talk about a hit. I mean, uh, how much of a hit? Because they're although they're in fifth place, we're talking about Merrimack here after last night's game, they're still only three points out of first, so it's still pretty tight at the top. Yeah, no, I meant a hit on the uh, pairwise. Oh, sure. Yeah, but but you're right. They, they, you know, it's amazing how many teams can just switch places with one night's results. Yeah. And this is one of those. Um, uh, where they're all going to be close one way or the other, but it could just completely change the order depending how the results go tonight. I, I think one of the things that you mentioned the pairwise is kind of interesting and in, in following it closely and, and watching the dynamics, especially because in recent years we're seeing it gets published early, earlier and earlier and people are watching it more closely. I mean, I'm watching it before the Bean Pond on Monday night and you had, I think, BU ascended to, to first place after Northeastern lost in the Constellation and then BU lost the game and they dropped back down to third place. I mean, this late in the season, it seems like the fluctuations are still so great. You mentioned Merrimack. I think last night fell from ninth to sixteenth, and out of out of the tournament, as it were, and it would, with just one night's results. Uh, does, does this point out uh, perhaps a flaw in the system? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask the the Tim Dan. He's or guys like yourself that know this. But I have mixed feelings on it. I think anything that gets the fans excited and following it, and um, and, and and makes the national championship so great, is, is probably a good thing for the sport. But from where I sit as a as a conference commissioner, I think the attention almost takes away a little bit from our own races and our standings. I, I think you and I might have talked, or, or you're certainly aware of, a couple of times in the last few years where coaches would might not pull their goalie to win a game late in the, the final weekend because of what it might do to their NCAA ranking as opposed to what it might do to help them win a league champion. And we've seen some of these things that almost puts the NCAAs ahead of the, the league battle. And, and, and I'd like to think I'd feel that same way if I wasn't working for a conference, if I was just a uh, an older college hockey fan that wants people to really fight for their for their league first and then worry about that stuff later. But you know, it's also affected scheduling and non-league scheduling. There's strategic scheduling based on where you think it'll help your your rankings, as opposed to maybe some matchups geographically or regionally that would be good for the sport. Um, and I even go back to the days where you know Vermont might play Middlebury. You know, you might see Division Three. Well, they can't do that anymore. You know, so the attention on the national tournament, I think, kind of gives and takes away at the same time. Well, let's talk about some of the changes that are going to be upcoming in the league. This is the first chance that we've had to talk to you this year. So um, there's been a lot of things reported, a lot of things going on, rumored, and so on. Uh, can you tell us where things stand? First of all, with regard to we know Notre Dame's coming in. Uh, they will be the 11th team in the league in a couple of years. Uh, um, there's been talk about a possible 12th team. Where does that stand? Well, I, I really can't talk in detail. I, I'll say this. Um, I've been putting off making the schedule because an 11-team schedule is, is going to be a little bit odd. I mean, I've got a generic schedule that I can use, uh, but it would create a buy team each weekend, which I don't mind in the early half of the season because those teams can go out and get a non-league opponent. 
But the idea of having a bye team in February or the last weekend of March. So what I'm probably going to have to do short term is create a couple of schedules late in the year where you, you might play Friday, Sunday, or maybe just play one game. But I'd really like to have all 11 teams playing on the last weekend or the next to last weekend. To solve that would be to get a 12th team. And the, and the directors have always said, look, any team that can bring value, it's a vague phrase, but any team that brings value, uh, they'd be interested in. We're not going to get to 12 just for the sake of having an even number of teams and help the schedule. We've got to find somebody that's a good fit. Uh, and that's where I have to kind of stop talking because the very nature of these conversations you have have to be confidential just because the schools that you might be talking to, they've got sensitivities where they are. But um, I think most fans can kind of connect the dots and at least identify teams that might be might have interests uh, and might be a good fit. Just look at the nature of who we are and where we are, and, and it's a, probably a pretty small list. Is there a time frame that uh, you're looking to try to have this settled by? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. It's late, actually. I'd like I'd like to have it done right now. But you know, there's also the possibility that you can start 13, 14, and 11 teams, and there might be somebody who might want to come in later. You know, it doesn't all have to happen the first year that the Notre Dame is in the league, which is 13, 14. So, in that sense, um, that that changes the dynamic if somebody might want to come in later on. But I I can't wait much longer, and I've got to start putting that schedule out, and and that'll be a little bit of a different look for the fans as well, because with an 11-team league, we're probably going to go to two games with each opponent. We have uh, really have an obligation to minimize Notre Dame's travel, so they would probably fly, make five trips out here, and then five teams would travel to them, all of those being two-game series. Then it's a matter of figuring out, you know, for every team that you play twice in the same rink, you've got to have another opponent that you play twice, either home or away. So it has to be an even number. So you can't have Maine, Vermont, and Notre Dame. That'd be a fourth team, or you'd have to do a home and home with Maine or Vermont. So it, it is tricky. Uh, some coaches want to keep the common weekend. They like to have that Friday Saturday weekend. But if we did it that way across the board, you'd, you'd be done with somebody in you know second week of November. You wouldn't see him again. Or if you played him in the first weekend of March, you wouldn't see him all year until that one. So I don't know about that. I also know that some schools have talked about playing a third game that wouldn't necessarily be a league game. So UNH and Maine, for example, have talked about if it's a two-game league commitment, they'd like to play a third game that wouldn't count the standings. I would think Merrimack and Lowell as a Merrimack Valley type of thing might want to do the same thing. Uh, it seems that a number of coaches find it palatable, but a lot of uh, directors I talk to think it confuses the fans and they've seen it in other sports they don't like that. One of the things, of course, that's going to open up is more opportunities for non-league games. I mean, you're talking about dropping the league schedule from 27 games per team to 20. You know, on the one hand, like I said, it gives you more opportunities. On the other hand, it does mean now you're obligated every year. You do have to find seven more games, and for some schools it might be more difficult than others. Yeah, and that's that's definitely true, and I've talked to Mark about this specifically because, you know, he's he's faced as, as, as not one of the big schools that could give guarantees, as, you know, he finds he's got plenty of schools that will invite him out to their place and give him a guarantee, but they won't return the trip. Right. They won't come back. And, you know, he often all went as far as saying, you know, could the league create a policy where, you, where they mandate the return trip? But, I, yeah. you know, we've discussed it a little bit, but it seems like this is one of those areas where the the schools that have the, the advantage want to keep it. And, uh, you know, and, they, and there's where self-interest kind of rises and says, you know what, we've earned the right to be able to play who we want to play and where we want to play, and we're not going to give it up. Right. And it's, it's an economic issue with some of the big buildings, and some of the buildings are, are administered by third parties, or there has to be a minimum minimum number of home games. But it, it's a it's, you've hit you've hit on a very serious issue where it's not an even playing field. 
uh, in getting not only the type of opponent you want, but where those games are played. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Mark and, and Merrimack, and we've talked about that with him you know, as well, and it's interesting because it, it, you would think that, if anything, them being one of the smaller schools might be one of the schools that would be more likely to say, yes, we'll take the guarantee and so on, but 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 it's interesting to me that he wants to try to get those teams to come back. Yeah, and a lot of them have flat out said, hey, with all due respect, we're not going to do it. You know, they're trying to build up their home schedule. <clears throat> on, the, on the positive side, at least for us, there are so many games that are that aren't that far away. I mean, between the ECAC and Atlanta Cocky, and maybe maybe a bunch of those teams don't have the getting back to the other issue. I'm going to help your your pairwise because they're weaker teams. But in terms of logistics and putting them in midweek if you had to, or, or different times, it's easy to do that. Um, but the other development is the National Collegiate Conference and the Big Ten look like they're going to have. 20 to 24 game league schedules themselves so they're going to have a lot of games they're going to be looking for games and uh, I'd love to be able to create something with uh, the Big Ten in particular and maybe have some sort of Big Ten Hockey East challenge you know we've talked about it a little bit with them and I've got a good contact internally with Tom and Astis who used to be uh, one of our fellow commissioners and Jen Heppel is an administrator out there. He used to be an ECAC intern when I worked at the ECAC. So there, there are some people on the inside that know who we are and know that there's an opportunity to build something of mutual benefit. Anything new with regard to rules changes and you know rules being uh, uh, proposed or perhaps in the works? Yeah, well, this is a rules year, so what will happen is the uh, NCAA, I'm sure, will send out a survey. Um, you know, there are a lot of hot-button issues. I mean, four-on-four overtime you hear about and. There's a lot of little rules things that just people find annoying. You know, why can you make a hand pass from one end of the ice and not the other? I mean, I think some of us know why. We don't want to see hand passes around the goal, offensive goal. Um, I think there's a lot of concern among the coaches about the, the amount of five-minute majors and players being lost, but I don't see the rules committee or that level of, of a mind to, to step backwards on those those areas where they're worried about the downside, the serious injury. So the contacts to the head, the hits from behind. I, I, I know the coaches feel that it, they'd like to see the referees have more discretion to make those two-minute or five-minute, but I, I think the farther away you get from the ice and the more you get towards the administrators and the NCAA office and the safety committee, I, I think they feel the risk is too far to, to, to backtrack on that now. The uh, Perhaps off of the UNOCC game last night, the, the old uh, kicking the puck rule might might perhaps come in for, for another look. That's definitely another one. And, and, you know, one of the things you hear from officials is they don't have a an active referee on the committee, and not necessarily as a voting member, but just in the room. Because I've, I found, I was the chair of the rules committee for a couple of years, and when you write these, you've got to be very careful to have a rule that makes sense and is a rule that's easy to call. And they've never quite found the magic verbiage for the, the, the skate kicking. You know, at one time it was just as long as it's not a clear, you know, field goal motion, everything else is in. And that really made it easy for the referee. If he doesn't see that, then they started to get into intent and direct and, and deliberate, and, and, it, and it really has become difficult. Well, Joe, thanks for taking the time to join us. We appreciate it. Hockey East Tournament coming up at the uh, Garden as well. How are ticket sales going? Uh, we're running slightly ahead of last year. I, I think it, uh, it, it, we may be back in that area where it depends on who gets in. You know, we had a lot of money spent on outdoor hockey at Fenway, and ironically, a number of the teams that are high in the standings weren't part of that. Uh, Merrimack, Lowell, BU. Um, so I'm almost rooting for those schools to, to be the ones advanced because their, their fans may have, maybe didn't shell out that money in January, and they'll be ready to do it in March. All right, Joe, HockeyEastOnline.com will tell the folks they can look there for information about the tickets and everything else. Thank you, as always. All right, thank you very much.